0: To be with the Quippers. Always good to be here. You guys have kicking music. I know you know that, but you know uh, I don't mean this in any disrespect to anybody else. But we have great music at Planet Shakers. And when you travel around and you do all the things you do, sometimes you miss it. But I was just standing there tonight and I was thinking, man, this is and music. And uh, it's very different to Planet Shakers and I love it, it's awesome. You know, I want to honour your pastors here, you know, great friends of mine. I love hanging out with them. Uh, we have a lot of laughs together. Uh, but more than laughs together, there's been some incredible things that as we've had friendship God has enabled us to do separately, but also together on the earth. So come on, honour your pastors right now, I want to thank you for them. love you guys, really do. Ah, Pastor Pickle Pepper, Peter Piper, yeah, whatever, yeah. it's great to have him too, supporting those uh, beautiful Milano uh, Italian glasses, he just found out that his heritage is Italian, and can't you tell, he's got that sort of eclectic type of look about him, and uh, that was a great message, too, and you inspired me and, uh, in the area of giving. There's some great things going on on the earth right at the moment. But the key question we have to ask ourselves, whether you're in Hastings, whether you're here, uh, whether you're in wherever the other place is Napier, 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 Napier. <laughs> so many people, for those in Napier watching, reminded me where you were from. It was like tennis here Nip-nek-nep-napia, Napier, 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 Napier. But, uh, but I want to remind you tonight that we don't just come to church. We are not a religious group. We do not come because it's something we do on Sunday. We come because we assemble and we decide that we're going to come into a house like this and we're going to get together and we're going to celebrate, lift up the name that is above all names. We're going to lift up Jesus in this place. And as we do, we're going to remember that we are carriers of his cause. Whether it be in Europe, whether it be in Hamburg. ah, oh, I tell you, I don't know about you, but when I hear this church being planted in Hamburg, I, that, that excites me. Uh, I like it with cheese, mind you, but I do enjoy, uh, you know, in Germany, some incredible churches. You know, Ghana, up the back there. You know, when I was in South Africa at the World Cup, I went and watched Ghana play South Korea. That was a weird vibe in the stadium. Because, you know, the South Koreans are going like this, you know, and the Ghana... They go, ah! That was a cool atmosphere. But God is doing incredible things on the earth. But he's chosen to use you and I. He's chosen to use carriers of his word. And so tonight, God, I charge every person in the room tonight. We don't want to have another meeting. We want to have an encounter with you. We're here because we're carriers of your cause. God, inspire us, stir us, lift us, motivate us in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Turn to the person next to you and say, get ready. Turn to the person on the other side and say, gee, you're good looking. (laughs) Rangiora and Peter out there in Hastings, great to see you. Fee, I know you're there as well. And, uh, you know, Jake, he's over in India somewhere, just doing his thing in India. Well, good for him. And... uh, We're all here in New Zealand, and uh, it's great to be in New Zealand at the moment, particularly if you're Tongan. Who says that's true? Any Tongans in the room? Or if you're Australian, it's great to be here as well, yeah. (laughs) I know I'm only going to have that moment for about a moment, so I've got to enjoy it, okay? Okay. Amazing how your pastor always texts me when when New Zealand beats us, which is probably about once every four years, but he he texts me. No, actually, in rugby, it's been a lot lately. It's been hell, actually. Uh, I've had to get over my hatred towards him at times. A sporting hatred, of course. I love him as a brother in Christ. But, oh, I didn't get any texts just a couple of weeks ago, I can tell you. I didn't send any either because I'm a man of great grace and pride. And... uh, (laughs) Ephesians 1, chapter 18. Ephesians 1, chapter 18. Let's get right into it here tonight. And here it is. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And he's incomparable. Listen to this. He's incomparable. Nothing compares to his great power for who? us. That belief, I want to tell you, there's a great power we can operate in, but we got to choose to do so. Yeah. That power is like the working of the mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, far above all authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Tonight, I want to talk to you about dominion power. I want to talk to you about being a carrier of God's dominion power. We need to recognise that all power has been given to us, not so that we can take people out, but so we can change atmospheres. We need to recognise that we are carriers of God's dominion. So wherever we go, we walk with an authority and a power that is backed right up. You see, a power or a right to govern is what dominion means. I've recognised and realised in the last few years as I've started to meet different leaders in our nation, meet different leaders in other nations, that they are just people that carry a title that gives them authority. But I want you to understand, you have a title that gives you authority. It's called a follower of Christ. And when you're a follower of Christ, you suddenly become a son, a child, uh, an heir to an authority that is way above every other authority. And we need to understand that with that comes the carriership, a responsibility and church we can just be Christians or we can be carriers of a god-given authority We don't dominate people or atm- we don't dominate people in the sense of being bullies or dictators, but we do dominate people. Atmospheres. We need to recognize wherever our foot treads, there is authority that we carry. Whether it's into a high school, a university, we don't need to be intimidated. We need to recognize that we are the carriers of dominion authority. We walk in that authority and we understand it. You know, I've had the privilege of meeting numerous leaders, as Pastor Sam said, and a few years ago I met the prime minister of our nation. Some of you know his name. His name is John Howard. And John Howard was a a man who believed in God. He was a Christian. He was, he was actually, um, but you know, he was what I'd call a nominal Christian. He, he, his wife was very, very involved and, and it came to the end of his time as the leader of the nation. And he didn't know it was the end of his time, but it was about his ninth year as the prime minister. And he, he contacted our church office and he said, could we come to your church and, uh, run a community event? And, and uh, of course, you know, when they asked me that question, I thought, this is awesome. So we actually had a church in Perth in West Australia and we, we got everything ready for the Prime Minister coming. We were like, we wanted this guy to know that we were, we were going to show him the very best that we possibly could. They said, you can have 300 of your church people and you can have 300 community people. And then we've got to lock the building down, know every name and we're going to have, um, you know, him come and speak to those people. It was during the week and so we basically put it out to our church and uh, and of course at that stage our church had about a thousand people. We filled up the 300 names so quickly. But everybody got so excited and so we used it a little bit. You know, I honour you tonight that you set this building up every week. I mean, I look at the excellence in the screens that you've got there. And uh, it must take guys week, you know, like hours to set all this up. I want to honour you. I know you probably get it already, but you can never be honoured enough. And I know that you've been going from this venue to another venue and another venue. But we speak into the atmosphere with the dominion authority we carry. And enough is enough. It's time for us here at Equipus to have a building that is ours, establish a footprint in this city, and. Not just so we can't set up, but also so that we can actually establish what God has purposed us to have. But it would be nice not to have set up as well. But anyway, and so, you know, this guy was coming he, He's the leader of our nation. I started to tell the church that when he came, we didn't want it to have like a nice speech. So if he says something good, just like we do in church, yes, that's fantastic. Come on, stand up if you want to. In the end, we had no chairs in the building, uh, so we all stood up anyway, but... But, you know, I was encouraging them that, you know, when he came in, we didn't just get in awe of him. So anyway, he's coming on the day that he's coming. It was awesome. Because, you know, they do this security sweep through the building. And I loved it. It was like something out of the movies. 7 a.m. they come with the sniff dogs and they come through the whole building. I was hoping they'd find something. In fact, I was almost tempted to plant something in the youth (laughs) office. Because the youth always do something wrong, let's face it. So... I was hoping the dog had sniffed something out. It found a few smells in there, but it was nothing illegal. And, uh, and anyway, so came through, went into the office, and they locked the building down. Then they post police all around the building. And then all of our people came in. Pastor Russell Evans was there. He was on my board at that stage, and he came in, and he was standing in line, and we're waiting. There's all these school students stood this side. I'm stood here. And suddenly, this girl goes, oh! The Prime Minister hadn't even arrived yet. I'm like, what's wrong with her? And she goes, is that really you, Pastor Russell? I'm telling you, his head, woo, it was growing. She goes, I'm more excited about meeting you than I am the Prime Minister today. Oh, I want to tell you, it was hard to bring him down from there. But anyway prime minister arrives and he comes in the building there's media everywhere all our national media is there with all our tv stations and radio and we've got a special press gallery at the back and they have to stand on this stage and then myself and the prime minister of our country are standing on stage I'm like so pumped about this but then I realized that I had to stand there and I'm not doing anything have you ever seen those guys on camera next to your president? <laughs> You go, why are they looking like that? Because I've been standing there for four hours trying to get the right cameras on. (laughs) So I'm standing there smiling and he's saying stuff and even if I don't agree with him, smile. (laughs) But anyway, he he begins to speak. and As he starts to speak, he he makes the comment that Australia is a beautiful nation. The sunburnt country. You know, when a sunset comes, how beautiful is our nation? And as he says it, one of our older people in the church goes, amen, brother. And I remember standing on the stage like, ah. like, yeah, that's good, would have been better than amen, brother. I hadn't probably educated him when not in church, but be enthusiastic. And anyway, so the prime minister sort of looks at him. I watched the secret service or whatever they're called. They sort of looked at him like, I thought they were going to sniper him out of there. And then the Prime Minister smiles at him, then looks across at me, smiles at me. Like, I don't know whether he was saying, are you an idiot? What are you running here? You know, or he was saying, that was good. I didn't know. But then he starts to speak and he was only supposed to speak for 15 minutes. 40 minutes later, he's still speaking. The crowds going nuts, everything he's saying. He's loving it. I'm dying. But it was good. Anyway, so then, at the end, he goes around and he's shaking people's hands. and he. He comes to my office and he meets us and meets the family. And, and then he, he leaves, and his, his uh, chief of staff says to me, Pastor Neil, would you, the Prime Minister's asked whether you would come to lunch today. And I was like, Oh, look, I've got to check my diary, man. I'm a busy cat, you know. And he's like, And I'm like, uh, Yeah, okay, I'll come. He goes, Look, you can't come with our cars. But your car can drive behind our cars. He's got a full police escort and everything. And at that stage, I was, my church had only been going a few years, and I drove this little, like, you know, roller skate. <laughs> and uh, so I get in behind, and they're flying along the road. All the lights are out. Police are everywhere. And all, the, the, all these police can see. You can see them looking. This little white, <laughs> right, like, right behind these cars. And uh, anyway, we get to the place. We're having lunch, and they go up, and it's, like, gated. And the, the security guy stops me. And I'm in my car thinking, I don't even know what to say. Uh, you know, it's a great story. Oh, I'm having lunch with the Prime Minister. <laughs> so I said, oh, I'm. and they go, are you Pastor Neil Smith? And I'm like, yes, I am. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> I'll come this way. And they usher my car. And I go and park. And then when I walk up, I realise it's not a lunch with just me and John Howard. It's me and 150 other people. Or maybe even more, maybe 200 and it's a, I found out it's a liberal fundraising lunch. I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. Not only have I been deceived to go to a lunch that's not with the Prime Minister alone, but it's, I've got to give some money as well. <laughs> anyway, I come up to the table and everybody else has already arrived. They've got their badges on. I'm, I walk up and again, I'm thinking, they don't even know who I am. I was just arrived. And I arrive at the table, and I go, oh, hi, I'm, and the lady goes, oh, you're Pastor Neil Smith. Come with me. So she grabs me and she walks me down the front and you know when you go to a wedding and you get put on the table mm-hmm. and there's 15 tables and your table 15, sorry to tell you but you only just made the cut. You are those people that, <laughs> do we want them? Don't we want them? And you always know you're on that table because you're on a table, you don't know anybody on the table and they're all awkward people. <laughs> you're like, I wish I hadn't made the cut. But anyway, I walk past table 15, I get to table 14 and, and then I get to about table eight and I see a guy who had tried to do something deceitful towards us as a church and buy a piece of land and he said he was helping us but actually he was trying to get in and the last minute I said, no, we're not working with you and, and he loved me till that point but then he hated me, this community leader. He's there on table eight and with a good Christian attitude, <laughs> I hadn't seen him for some time. I kept walking past because you know he was at table 8 but I was now at 7 and 6 and keep going and I kept looking back oh, with the love of the Lord of course <laughs> you know. and I got right to table 1 and there it's got the Honourable Prime Minister of Australia John Howard and then there was a special invitation that had handwritten Pastor Neil Smith on it and I was right next to the Prime Minister and I sat down and took a little look back at table 8. <laughs> He probably paid 500 bucks. I paid nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat down. Then the Prime Minister comes in the room and he comes and everybody's up standing and he stands next to me. He goes, don't worry, we're just going to have to smile for another couple of minutes and then the media has to leave. So smile. So <laughs> that night on the news, there's me and the Prime Minister smiling at the lunch. It's pretty bad, really, because Liberal fundraising lunch. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> but then I sat down. They start talking. And the Prime Minister has got somebody on this side who's probably paid the most to be at the lunch and all these different people. And they're asking taxation questions. And I don't know about him. I could see in his face he was a little bored by it. I was definitely bored. And so he turns to me and he says, hey, I just spoke for this guy. He's a pastor of a great church just down the road. Why don't you tell Pastor Neil all these people what you do and, and, and how you've been impacting the community? And in that moment, here I am standing in front of the Prime Minister and all these people But I recognise that I don't go with a measure of just Neil Smith. I've got an authority that I carry. And in that moment, I'm not subjected to a title that's far greater than mine. I come under the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I come under the one who's going to come through because I'm a carrier. I'm a carrier of his purpose. He gets up to give his speech. He's standing there and he begins to speak. And as he speaks, I have this thought. I'm in the room. I'm in the room. God, you spoke it over my life. When I was 14, somebody prophesied that I would speak to leaders of nations. And here I am. Nothing that I did, but everything that you did. And here I am sitting in a room. I want to tell you that God's got rooms waiting for you. He wants you to understand that there's a boardroom, there's a classroom, there's a coffee shop, there's a lounge room. They're waiting for you, but are you going to walk into that room and allow that room to dictate to you? Are you going to walk in with that sense of, I'm a carrier of the purposes of God? You see, it's so important that we understand whose we are because he's got an authority and he wants us to trade in. Luke chapter 8 and verse 49 says, while Jesus was still speaking, Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just believe. And she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were waiting, uh, wailing, sorry, and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She is not dead, but asleep. But he took her by the hand and said, my child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. Get this. There's a crowd of people, 150 to 200 people outside, mourning and weeping, hanging around the house. There's his disciples, 12 of them, And they've come with him. They've been traveling around with him. There's two parents that have enough faith to call out to him to say, we know you can do something. Who gets in the room? Who's the carriers of the faith that Jesus needs? Who's the people? It dwindles down to just five people plus Jesus. I don't want to be standing out in the lounge room hearing about the story. I don't want to be standing outside worrying about all the problems that I've got. I want to be in that room understanding that I am a carrier of the purposes of God. He stands in the room. He says, she's not dead. How many of us are trapped in our problem? How many are trapped in the circumstances? Trapped in the way we feel? Majority of people actually never step into their purpose because they're trapped in how they feel. What about the people that had seen the disciples, but obviously they hadn't quite yet believed? You could be coming to church your whole life, but still not totally believe. Well, tonight I want to stir you carriers' belief. Carriers don't respond to their emotions. Carriers want to be right where the miracle's about to take place because they understand that when they're in the center, they carry an atmosphere that brings about change, brings about healing. The death can rise up and walk when they're in the presence of Jesus. You see, it's all about your perspective. She's not dead, she's just asleep. Circumstances around your life right now, they're not dead. They're just off to the side. Things are laid dormant for a season. You can't break through in your company. Well, tonight we're going to believe something's going to shift because we carry an atmosphere around our lives. We are carriers of the purpose of Jesus. You see, first thing you've got to do if you're going to be a carrier is you've got to create atmosphere. How do you walk into a room? All of us have Christmas functions. They're coming up in a few weeks' time. You know, there's nothing worse than when you go into a family Christmas function. I pretty much think everybody has this. There's a part of you that wants to go because it's the thing that you should do and some of your family you like, but we've all got one person in the family who either has a few too many drinks or just speaks their mind a little too loud or just has no etiquette or has so many problems around their life that you're like, oh, gee, how am I going to You see, you can go into settings in life and allow that atmosphere to dictate to you. You can go into your workplace where everybody's been partying this weekend and you can be consumed by what they're going to say or you can actually go and tell them where you've been and what you've been consumed with and what you are and who you are and what you're carrying. And when they say there's something in my marriage, you can say, well, that's okay because I've got a power to be able to pray with you and believe something's about to change. Oh, you've got sickness in your body. Oh, I'm a carrier and I'm going to dictate the atmosphere. I'm not going to allow it to dictate to me any longer. You see, my wife, oh, she's spiritual. Uh, what I'm inferring is I'm not always, particularly when the football's on. And when it's Saturday night football, you know, I've got a a couch and a TV and everybody knows that tonight is football night and if you're coming to watch the football, that's okay. Not if you're coming to pretend to watch the football (laughs) or you're coming and you're gonna make some random comment that you don't know anything about. Don't come, (laughs) it's the couch for me. It's got all the appropriate healthy energy foods there. Chips hamburgers, hot dog Magnum ice creams, all the health stuff. It accentuates the experience, I believe. Anyway, it starts. It's only halfway through the first half and my wife walks in with a computer. She says, honey, I've been watching this on the computer. I said, is it live? She said, no, I said, well, this is live. So can we leave that till later? no, no, I want to show you, this is incredible. Somebody's been raised from the dead. Well, I'm sure it's not happening now, so we can watch it. I I can watch it too. She said, you know, and then I asked her, was it, you know, how when did this happen? Oh, about five years ago. Well, it's not going to matter if it's five years and one hour extra. But she's persistent. Oh, anybody who's got a wife knows what I mean. She just keeps coming at me with that computer. Anyway, she comes at half time, and I sort of yield a little bit. Because I know the game's going to be over in an hour and I don't want to mess everything up for the rest of my life. So, we've <laughs> got the break. If it can fit in the break, that's okay. So, she said, You've got to watch this. So, I go, Okay, let's watch it. I keep the volume on because it's when all the good commentary of all the stats and everything's happening. You don't want to miss that. But she starts showing me a Reinhardt Bonkey meeting Reinhardt Bonkey, a bloodwashed Africa. In fact, right now, Right now in Nigeria, right now, Reinhard Bonnke is preaching at his last crusade ever. How awesome. I was going to go there um, you know, when I saw it, but I found out too late and I had to preach in a place called New Zealand, so I came and I felt that the mandate was there and just thought I'd rise above my feelings. And, uh, but Reinhard Bonnke is preaching and you can hear him because they're taking the video from below the stage and he's walking around. I bless West Africa, man will be saved. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> and, you know he's walking around. And, and this lady has brought this dead body of a man who for nine days has been dead and embalmed in her house, her husband. But she believed if she could just get him near the prophet, he would rise up. So my wife's shown me and I'm encouraging her to fast forward it. She's like, no, no, you've got to get the whole experience. Oh, gee, half time hasn't got long. But I found myself turning the volume down on the TV and now watching this, and I got so absorbed in it, something stirred in my faith. My atmosphere was changed by the power of God. And I started to think, how often do we sit in atmospheres and think, what can we do, rather than sitting in atmospheres remembering that we are a carrier of the Most High? That we can go in and we can bring change in atmospheres. That night, my wife changed my atmosphere, stirred my faith, and it gave me something that I'll never forget. It stirred my very life. In those moments, faith is born, dreams come about. We need to position ourselves by faith in atmospheres that are gonna bring change. We are called to dominate atmospheres, therefore changing our world. We've just heard about Peter. I tell you, the Rome, the church in Rome, oh, wouldn't it be awesome that we have to build another Colosseum, but this time it's for the church. You know, we need to have dreams that are bigger than what people just say has or could happen. We need to recognise right now in Europe, there's a reformation taking place. Right now in Pacific Islands, I'm believing there's going to be a million people get saved in the next five years. That's what we're mandating. That's what we're believing. But it's not going to happen because we go, well, it's all hard. It's a bit difficult. Have you been there? There's a spirit in in Europe. It's pretty hard, you know. Come on. We carry the greatest power on earth, dominion, authority. It comes from Jesus himself. Uh, Have you ever seen a lion? And have you ever seen an elephant? They call the lion the king of the jungle. But put a lion next to an elephant. It's a pretty small animal. If that elephant had half a brain, which is part of the problem, they don't apparently. (laughs) It could just turn around and like sit on that thing (laughs) and it's all over for that lion. But the lion has a walk, has a way, has something about it that captivates you. It carries an atmosphere. Because he knows he's the king of the jungle. Well, we're related directly to the king of kings. We need to actually change our walk. We need to change our speech. We need to understand that we're carriers of the living God. and We need to walk according to his pattern for our lives. Are you a carrier tonight? Are you a carrier? Are you someone who knows what it is? Whether you're in Napier or Hastings or here, are you a carrier tonight. Because if you are, you need to learn what it is to speak the word over your situations. We don't read the Bible because it's a good book. We read it because it's a book that has power to change our life and the life of those around us. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So the word will not return to me empty. It will return that which I set it to do. We need to recognise that we've got to speak the word when it comes You know, to walking into a hospital. And we've heard a diagnosis of cancer written over that life. We need to recognise that in the word it says, by his stripes you will be healed. We need to be people that walk with that measure of authority. It's just like having Prime Minister on your name tag, but suddenly you have a God who by his stripes, what he did for us, the blood that he shed, the broken body is going to bring healing into people's lives. When I walk into a job interview, it's mine. Why? Because the Bible says that favour is my portion. So I'm going to operate with understanding who my God is. I'm going to understand that I don't walk as a normal person. I walk in the power and the presence of the one who's filled me. When the deal is coming together, another bill has to be paid. Oh, finance. Bible's clear, we won't have enough room to contain how he's going to bless us, how he's going to favour us. Does money control you or are you in control of finance? Because you need to recognise that your God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and therefore no challenge that's ahead of you, no opportunities ahead of you should be limited by finance because he's resource rich and he wants to go ahead of you in that area of your life. We are called to dominate atmosphere. Yeah. We are called to carry the word of God in our hand. We are called to be people that would speak it out yeah. as people that believe or otherwise we're just a religious group that shows up to church on Sunday. What a waste. Yeah. We want to be people that understand that God has a greater day for us. Yeah. Okay. we find the video? We're good. You know, recently Pastor Sam talked about going to Papua New Guinea. Two years ago in 2015, Pastor Russell asked me a question. He said, Neil, we need to, with privilege comes responsibility, and we need to give back to our local region. We got together with some business people and, and uh, we came up with a plan, and then God clearly spoke to me about a strategy of reaching leaders. And then he talked about writing to the Prime Minister of the nation. I'd already met this Prime Minister. I also met another Prime Minister. I met the uh, Prime Minister of Malaysia and, and uh, Musi Mamani, the, the opposition leader, they're calling him the new Mandela. You know, somebody who's become a personal friend and we speak daily about the things that he's going through in his country. Opportunities have started to come. So I thought to myself, we're gonna reach a nation. I'm just gonna write to the Prime Minister. Why go for anything lower? To my amazement, he wrote back, and at that moment I thought, "Oh my goodness, he wrote back! Now what do I do?" <laughs> Sounds so good, and then, wow, I've got to meet with the guy. We're here to change your nation. Now we don't know what we're doing, but we're doing. <laughs> so. Three days before, God gave me a download from the Book of Kings. I wrote down five things: leadership, changing the mindset of a nation, business, opening up job opportunities across a nation that has 54% unemployment. Education, we've now got older Roberts University from America going to deliver on thousands of courses. They asked us if we could bring 20,000 university spots to the nation. The higher education minister of that nation asked us and we've come up with a way where we can deliver that over the next five years. He talked to me in that room that night before I met the Prime Minister about health. The World Health Organisation approached us and asked if we could help eradicate malaria in PNG. We, 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 we talked about the church, he spoke to me, but about a transformational church that we would raise up at least 100 leaders in that nation over the next five years, that we would bring out for a season and then send back in as people who became the center of community. He talked to me about communication, I met with the, the head of Digicel, the largest mobile phone network in the Pacific region, and he's agreed to put high-speed internet into all these hubs, these places where we're going to do all this stuff. But it started with a word and a belief that I'm a carrier. Not because I'm any better than any of you, but I got a revelation about who my Jesus is. Our office last week wants to talk to us. He heard about PNG. I'm going to Fiji in two weeks' time to meet with the leaders of the nation there. We're going to do a big pro- program in Fiji in, in 18 months' time. And in six years, what we're going to do is on one night with Digicel, who own a cable network television throughout the whole of the Pacific region. We're going to book every stadium in every one of those cities. We're going to have churches like yours and ours go to different countries. And on one night, we're going to have a simulcast not, you know, to raise money just for the poor. I'm not saying that's bad, but that's been done by bands and secular organisations. But that we would book out stadiums and we'd start to declare that the Pacific is Jesus. <laughs> hey, I'm declaring that to you. What if it doesn't work? What if it does? We have a God who wants to come through. We can be carriers of his purpose. So in my bedroom in 2005, we came up with a plan. We started that plan in August this year. I want to just show you this video. Hubs will be installed in each of the 89 districts within PNG. The aim for the hubs is to connect each of the 89 local level government districts, LLGs, with the nation's capital. Each hub produces. Part in the nation of Papua New PNG community hubs will be installed in each of the 89 districts. And with that word, we walked into a country we had never been to before. But as God went before us, doors flung wide open in every sphere, and we encountered divine favour and such incredible influence. This August, we brought almost 300 people to PNG to impact the spheres of leadership, education, business, health, and the church. We sent teams to three different regions, In Port Moresby, the nation's capital, we ran regional rallies and saw over 5,000 people attend and witnessed 1,500 decisions for Christ. In the region of Leh, over 20,000 people came out to our rallies and over 3,000 people were led to Christ. In Kimbe, we saw 25,000 people attend across three nights. With 8,000 making decisions for Christ, many were healed and delivered and set free. Throughout those two weeks, Our teams also went to primary schools, secondary schools, prisons, hospitals, and halfway houses carrying the love of Jesus and the redemptive power of the gospel. Our primary schools team went into 45 schools and were able to speak to 48,600 children. Our teams also visited 28 high schools and ran our program with about 25,000 students. The response to the message was also overwhelming as young people made a stand to change the future of a generation making a commitment to change the way they spoke to and treated one another. In each region we visited the prison there and saw almost every prisoner give their life to Jesus. The trip finished with the night celebrations in the National Stadium where we saw over 200,000 people attend and over 110,000 respond to the message of the Gospel. Thousands healed and miracles as we stood with the people of Papua New Guinea to lift up the name of Jesus and declare a new chapter for the nation. Hundreds of thousands of lives have been touched by the power of God. Every missionary has returned with a testimony, a story to tell of lives changing. We believe that a nation is turning to Jesus. We believe it will be saved. Are you a carrier? The musicians can come. Are you a carrier? Are you the person that God has mandated for your school, for your university? See, don't just watch a video and say, well, that's great. Watch it and be inspired to understand he's got a room waiting for you. He's got a nation waiting for others. He's got a boardroom waiting for some. I sat and I listened to the Prime Minister of Our Nation's speech. He came and sat down and he said, don't leave, Pastor Neil, I want to talk to you. That's why I invited you to the lunch. We had the lunch and there was some commentary and talk and at the end he sat next to me and he said, can I talk to you for a moment? He said, I came to your church this morning and I said to my chief of staff, I'm going to speak for 15 minutes and I'm out of there. I don't want to meet anybody. He said, that morning, I'd heard I was behind in the polls for the first time in my leadership in the nation. He said, I came into the room and I don't know if you noticed, but a man stood up, well, a man shouted out, praise the Lord. And when he said it, I was like, wow, that's different. That hasn't happened in my 28 years in office. But I suddenly thought, wow, this guy's responding to what I'm saying. And then your crowd started to respond. He said, I actually came into the room depressed, down, thinking, should I even run for prime minister? But something changed in that room. The reason I wanted you to come is I wanted to thank you for what you did. I feel inspired to go on. See, we could have gone into the room and said, the prime minister's coming and all. Oh, we can be who God has purposed us to be. The atmosphere of change. The agents of atmosphere. Those that will say, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to be a carrier. Dominion, power and authority is mine. Rather than allowing the things that have happened. Well, let's see what happens. We've got new leadership in the nation. Why? We've already got a plan. We've already got a purpose. Let's keep running with it and let's help them. To discover the plan that we've got for the nation. Let's be carriers. Let's be those people. Because there's a room waiting for you and for you. And in Napier and Hastings and in the balcony. If you're a carrier in this room, maybe you haven't been doing a great job, maybe you have been. But you say, God. I don't want to go into the end of the year going, oh, well, it's nearly the end of the year. I'll just chill out and get going again next year. Let's reverse the trend that says churches drop off a bit over the Christmas period. Come on, let's see this season as ours. Let's see it as the one that we're going to see the greatest growth we've ever seen. But if you're a carrier and you can hear my voice tonight, I want you to stand to your feet and lift your hands. Because I'm going to pray a prayer of faith. I'm going to believe with you that something is going to shift over the atmosphere of your circumstance the atmosphere of your life, your family, your situation, because I tell you, he's here right now, the name that is above all names, his name is Jesus, right in this atmosphere I believe he's about to speak again, just like he did in my room that night, gave me a five point plan that sounded so incredibly intelligent now it's been rolling out in a nation don't give me the praise i don't mean that in a humble silly way i mean it in the sense of all i simply did was say yes lord he gave me the mandate that i was to carry maybe you've been going into the room and saying it's dead in here no it's not it's just asleep something's about to shift over that atmosphere That family situation, it's about to break. That health circuit oh, I can feel it. There's faith starting to rise in this place. Something is going to shift over that school, over that university. Oh, you might have exams this week and the next few weeks, but I want to tell you, you need to understand that God has given you a mandate to carry wherever your foot will tread, will be yours in the name of Jesus. So right now, I release dream. I release vision. I release a fresh authority. It's time to walk into that new purpose that God has for you. It's time to step into all that God has planned for you. Right now I release a new measure of faith, capacity. Lord, I pray that each person will rise to their purpose. If you're like me and you don't want to be the 150 on the outside, My granddad got saved in Smith Wigglesworth campaign and he left his work as it was then and he traveled around and started planting churches in England. Changed his whole life. It's a great story. But it's not my story. My granddad, great granddad pushed my grandma in a wheelchair to a meeting. She hadn't walked for eight years. She stood out of that wheelchair. Incredible! It was that granddad that got saved at a Wigglesworth meeting that prayed for her, the other granddad. And then my whole family line on my dad and my mum's side serving God now because of those moments. But it's not my story. He's given me a measure of authority. He's given you a measure of authority. I don't want to just hear about it from the outside. I want to be in the room when Jesus declares the nation of PNG is not dead. He's not to corrupt. it's not a bad nation. It's a nation that's waiting to be saved and transformed. What's he saying to you? You're a carrier. And if you're a carrier, I'm going to go in a moment, but I want you to lift your hands one last time. And right now, I'm going to ask that he would come and give you a download from heaven. A fresh faith and authority would come to you. And right now, I pray. The people would lift their gaze. They would go beyond where they've ever been before. They wouldn't belittle what you've got for them. But Lord, they'd start to dare to believe that they can walk into rooms, even rooms they've been in before. And rather than walk in and allow that atmosphere to dictate to them, they can be carriers. Oh, that there would be some carriers that would rise up in the house. Some people who would transform their school, their city, their nation. They're in this room. God, I pray, release the carriers in the house today. In the name that is above all names, dominion, power, and authority. In the name.